I'm Tucker, and this is Sceneplay. On this episode, we're going to do something new, and that new thing is we're going to stitch together a few games. All these games are from the 200-word RPG Challenge by Marshall Miller and David Th- Sherduin? Sherduin. I think it's Sherduin. Anyways, the 200-word RPG Challenge, which is a challenge every year for a bunch of designers to create 200-word RPGs. It's really great if you either want to start designing games or if you want to find a lot of fun, really quirky games. I really love this site, and it's one of my favorite things on the internet. And with all that, I'm not going to let you know what the games are from the outset, because I want to be a surprise, but I'll credit all the games and their authors at the end. So I'll see you then on the other side. So, it probably says, like, if it said anything, it would say that you have cancer. No, That's I think it would just say that I'm, like, works. actually the most narcissistic, narcissistic narcissistic human being in the entire world. Hmm. Right? Because, like, how else do you explain that? Seems right. Okay. <laughs> cool. And I feel like my voice is at the right level. I'm gonna How's this? Is this? this up? Yeah, you're good at level. Cool, cool, cool. All right. And cool, so cool, cool. we're going to play a couple games today. And... Oh. Uh, let me start with a quick description, because I have a thought in my mind. So, here we are, three beings on a ship together, passing through the void of space. And we've been doing this for a while, but the air is running out. The air's been running out for a while now, and there are two escape pods left. Uh-oh. And the ship has been aimed at a sun for a good amount of time. And it's it's still going to get there in three years or so. So we have time. But the ship has decided that it's going to save two of us. And in that case, it's going to launch escape pods to the only habitable, habitable planets it passes. And so recently, very recently a sound came over the loudspeaker and that sound was a voice and that voice said escape pod one launching in 30 seconds cool so what (laughs) we are going to play a couple of games from the 200 word challenge rpg nope the 200 word rpg challenge the other way Mm -hmm. and to do this i have two friends with me um i'm tucker i am the host do my two friends want to introduce themselves all right i'll go first then i guess uh i'm matthias i'm friends with tucker i've been on this before once or twice or thrice Mm -hmm. um i'm kayla i am also friends with tucker and i have never actually really done this before i did this before once i did it once but like is only kind of fair enough and we'll leave what that only kind of means in the air (laughs) and so we are all three beings on this escape pod And so the game we're going to play is called Escape Pod 1. And we are going to have a timer for 30 seconds. And I'm just going to use my watch and set that so it goes off. And I'm going to set it and then put my watch face down. And people are going to take turns being the active player. And what is going to happen and is what's going to happen in that case is you have options. Uh, Kaylee, do you want to read the options? Sure. It's number two on the list. To take an action, throw a tank on the table and narrate the action. Move to a pod. Required to escape. Get in the pod. Required to escape. Launch the pod early. Overcome an obstacle. 
destroy one tank from a living player. Should I continue? No, you're good. Okay, cool. All right, and so this is a bit of a speed game, as it sounds like. And so if you're if it's not your turn, so whoever's not going, you have the option to spend a tank in order to cause a problem for the active player in getting to the escape pod. Do we want to describe our characters? How do people feel about that? I'm fine describing characters briefly. All right, cool. You want to start? Yeah. Uh, my character's name is Chuck. Chuck has a slick, slicked back black hair and one of those like fancy little like goatee and mustache combos that looks like the devil. Hmm. And he's very, very thin. And he has dark rings around his eyes because he hasn't slept in a while. Cool. Kayla, do you have a thought? Sure. Um, my character... <laughs> um, my character is hmm, named Anne. Um, she has red hair. Um, and her hair is entirely in ringlets. And she is wearing Adidas track pants and a green tank top. And I think she is eating a banana. Sounds good. And my character is named, let's call him Howard. And he is your prototypical space marine. He was the supposed to be the protection on this journey so he has crop cut hair he's got bright blue alliance military garb he's got big muscles everywhere you're supposed to have big muscles and big muscles everywhere you're not supposed to have big muscles he's got bright shining white teeth and would be attractive if he wasn't so large all right and so let's just go ahead and each roll a die and whoever gets the highest gets to be the active player going first three two <laughs> appears that Howard is going first. All right, and so to just remind everybody of the rules, you have four oxygen tanks in front of you. And once those are gone, you're done. You're dead. You can spend an oxygen tank to, I, to one, move to a pod. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, so for me, I can spend an action tank to move to the pod spend an, an oxygen tank to get in the pod and spend an, spend one to launch the pod early or to overcome an obstacle or to destroy one tank from a living player. And when it's not your turn, you can add an obstacle to my path, but you have to spend a tank to do it. Okay. Sounds good. And do, and do any other obstacles come up in your in play? N- uh, not beyond what you <coughs> add to me. So Wait, you could if you want to just... What? what can we add to you? Anything that you can imagine going wrong on the spaceship, something your character adds, something Great. that goes wrong. But remember that you need at least two oxygen pods left in order to escape. And one of you is going to be the active player next. Interesting. Cool. All right. So, so theoretically, no one could make it out alive. This is very possible, yes. That sounds like a terrible that thing. Would th- that would throw a wrench in my plans. But yes, that is possible. <laughs> Uh, so is everybody ready? Wait, and you only have 30 seconds. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, I'll get the timer. Set it to 30 wow. seconds. This is so scary. All right. So we'll give just a, so the ship's going along in space. 
life is normal and then escape pod one is going to be launched and howard sits pulls it upright and knows exactly where he's going start so i think the first thing howard's going to do is sprint towards the pod he's he's making his way down the hallway he takes he takes a left and he, he spends a lot of oxygen doing this this is really tiring work uh, he's been in stasis for a while and so he spends one tank and he gets into the pod He's in the pod. He's getting ready to go. Okay, and no, no, no. But then Anne comes back and she's running after him because she knows that he's going to get to the tank and he's going he's going to get to the pod. And so he shoulders he can't her do aside. It. No, he she takes her banana her and throws it in his face. He slips, but he, he gets slips. over. And he's going. And he's, he's not going. He's not pod. going at all. He's, he's really not going. Oh, no. And he gets tragic. into the pod and he's getting ready to launch. He's waiting for it to launch. She's and stopping. he's looking out. He's looking out. He's waiting for anybody to do something. And he sits in the pod. And suddenly his last oxygen take bursts. Mm-mm. You were late. Oh, yeah? So yeah. does this get spent? Nope. Okay. All right. And the pod launches. Taking, oh, no. Taking Howard with it. <laughs> we failed in our mission. Cool. And... So does anybody want to describe the planet that Howard is traveling to now? We'll, we'll leave the ship for a little bit. Yeah, the planet that Howard's traveling to is, luckily for him, pretty habitable. It's got a temperature pretty similar to Earth. It rains a lot, but Howard doesn't really mind the rain too much. He's from Seattle originally. Um, and the only thing that is going to give him any trouble is that there's a lot of local fauna that's really really not spiky but it's got like kind of like bristles on it that makes walking around itchy also there are dragons also there are dragons this is a fun thing so it's itchy and there's also dragons (laughs) and fire what kind of what kind of breath do the dragons have uh well we're gonna get to that because you see there's this special property of the planet and of course howard brought a universal translator along with him as you do right. on such missions and so he's going through this very rainy plains rainy forest and eventually comes upon a dragon and he goes to the dragon and here's something special that the dragon knows about this planet that howard doesn't know that is that anybody who enters this planet is going to become a dragon so, does somebody want to read the game So You're Becoming a Dragon for me? Sure. So You're Becoming a Dragon, a how-to guide for young tenderwings on their transition from weak flesh sacks into powerful and sexy masters of the sky. First off, the guide to any good transition is a mentor. Find an older dragon who's already undergone the transformation and invite them to hang out with you. A conversation over some food is always nice and can help alleviate some of the awkwardness you may feel as you ask the important questions about your upcoming change. And that is a change with a capital C. We recommend asking the following questions, which of course any adult dragon will be happy to answer in full. When will my scales burst forth from my flesh? These are questions for me. Oh. So, uh, so he's approached by two dragons. And dragons, would you like to 
discuss what you look like. Tell, tell the camera uh, what dragons it's seeing right now. Yes, um, I'm a turtle dragon, so I look um, fairly similar to a turtle that you humans might recognize on Earth. Um, that being said, I have butterfly wings um, and I breathe fire, um, but my fire is purple and blue. And I am 70, seven and three quarters years old and i am a big fan of the planet that i live on i think it's a pretty cool place i am a dog dragon <laughs> a large white dog dragon if you've ever seen the never-ending story you have an idea of how i look um except it's just like just as creepy like it looks like the animatronic eyes but in real life and i am 2021 years old um what? You're so much older than me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a, a really cantankerous old man. Are we friends? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we, we, we hang out and have tea together. I'm so glad. I'm a big tea drinker. That's also, that's also a fun fact. Excellent. So Howard is running across the, the plane and two dragons swoop at him. And, he, and he's obviously very scared by this development. He's running, he's running. And then they both land in front of him. And he points his gun. He, he, he like points his embarrassingly sized pistol at each of them is hey 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 you can't you don't do anything to me i'll blast you i am with the alliance and there's nothing that you can do to me you there's nothing you can do to me i'm so lost <laughs> i'm so far from home who is this guy i think maybe we should help him maybe he looks like a, a flesh sack on the verge of his change hmm. on the verge of my my what? He's still limply pointing the pistol at y'all. I think you should put that down, perhaps. Um, we before can chat. Before your hands are too big to hold it. What, what, what do you mean? I, 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 I'm not growing. I'm, uh, this is what a full adult human looks like. I'm sure you don't know much about human biology, but this is a true thing. Mm, look at your toes. What, what do his toes look like? Hmm. He looks down. Your toes... What animal should you be? Hmm. His toes are beginning to show signs that he is turning into a giraffe. It is very lovely. Oh, the rare hoofed <laughs> dragon. <laughs> what, what, what is this sorcery? This magic? What are you doing to me? This oh, is you. No this is no sorcery here. It's just the way of things on this planet, which we have not named because we have never felt a need. <laughs> Anyone who lands here, by mystical means or otherwise, slowly becomes like one of us, a dragon in full. I'm going to become a dragon? Well. Of course. A kind of dragon. <laughs> well, well, what kind of dragon? How does this change happen? Is when, when will my scales burst forth from my flesh and become a beautiful chitinous plating? Do you see that rain cloud over there? Yes. In the distance? Yes. Well, it rains quite often There's on this planet. There's a lot of thunder in there. And in fact, that rain has magical properties because instead of looking like normal rain and feeling like normal rain, it causes you to turn into your um, animal alter ego, which also is a dragon. You might notice that your feet have begun to change already since you landed on swampy ground. This is so. How, how how do I keep from the rain? How do I protect myself from this? Oh, you don't. You don't. This is a wonderful thing. It's a natural thing. It's a beautiful thing. 
It happens to us all. It might be awkward at first. <laughs> but but in time, you will get used to your new body. But what if I don't want a new body? What if I want to stay the way I am forever? It's more fun this well, way. Well, nothing lasts forever. Change is an inevitable part of the universe. Well, that seems valid. Will I be strong and powerful like you? How long does it take for me to grow up to your size? Well, you will never be like us, of course. Of course. Are you natural dragons? Is there a di- were you once people like me? Well, certainly not like you, but people of a kind. But no one is as magnificent as we two. I feel I feel like there's like a flashback with like all with like this conversation has happened so many times with so many different people and every dragon has said this to every single person. Oh, absolutely. Every dragon is very full of themselves. I mean, it's a classic dragon move to be very narcissistic. It is because dragons are absolutely incredible. The best. Mm, this is fair. Yes. Facts. Facts. So uh, what influences this, wh- the type of animal that you become? And are they are they all earth animals like this or? On occasion, I have met dragons that do not resemble um, animals that you might see on planet Earth, which I assume is the planet that you're from. But um, the vast majority of the time, it really is just like deep in your essence, you are an animal. And that, some variation of that, although you might not turn into the animal exactly as it would be seen on Earth, because of course you are a dragon. So dragons are different. Um, That manifests itself in the way that you transform and change. Oh, does, do the things I did in life affect the type of dragon I become? Or is it more like a, the animal you are, you always are? In so far as what you do in your life shapes who you become, yes, it does change the kind of animal you become. But as my esteemed friend said, it's really the animal that lives deep in your soul. Oh. So if you have tainted your soul through evil actions, you might become something like, say, a naked mole rat dragon. <laughs> oh. But if you have been a good human or person or whatever kind of squishy being you are, maybe you'll become something magnificent, like a hippopotamus dragon. Do dragons do do dragons do dragons have children? No. <laughs> no. Really. We just kinda live here on this beautiful spiky planet. Tea oh. is a very good substitute for sex. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying there's no sex as a dragon? Not really. No. <laughs> oh, what have I gotten myself into? Oh and are are there even males and females then? Do you do you keep your gender, or does it just sort of all break? Am I? Well, the gender uh, binary I'm, is a ridiculous invention that humans made, and the reality is we are dragons. So I feel like excuse me, I am no a strong is, man and a powerful man. Well, not for long. <laughs> and oh, it's God. a good thing too. Men are the worst. <laughs> We're all the better for it. What would my papa say? <sighs> oh well. How how do you guys generally converse? Do you, do you all have the same language? Do you is there a, a new tongue? I, I'm not able to tell from my device here if you have your own language or if you're speaking in the language that you always had. We thrum. 
sort of sound. Alternately, for those dragons who appear on our planet um, without your miraculous device to translate our thrumming, we speak exclusively through um, the interpretation of tea leaves. <laughs> oh, that must be... That must be very hard when you're trying to answer the sex question. <laughs> the penis <laughs> is a pretty universal symbol. Oh, well. I guess I better just wait for that rainstorm. Well, if you want to speed it up, you could always jog towards it or roll around in the muck. I think I'm going to settle into my... I, it seems fragile masculinity for the limited time that I have left. And we cut away from Howard and leave him to his fate of becoming a beautiful giraffe dragon, which Kayla has made a beautiful form of here. <laughs> wow, that is... I, I don't know how to de describe this to listeners, but there's a planet and uh, an escape pod falling towards what looks to be a giraffe's ass. <laughs> And on top of the planet, there's a dog dragon that's saying wow, or woof. Uh, and there's a cup and saucer of tea that's standing over. And there's a, a turtle dragon with wings and fire breath on the other side of the planet. Mm -hmm. It's all very exciting. <laughs> all right. So that was that. And so that game is called So You're Becoming a Dragon. And that was by Wendy Gorman. Uh, Escape Pod 1, which we're about to return to, is by Stephanie Bryant. Okay, are we rolling our dice? And so, yeah, we're going to do another round of Escape Pod, and whoever rolls higher is the active player. Oh, shoot. Sixes, roll, roll again. again. Oh, shit. shoot. Okay, that <laughs> right. means that I'm the active player. So Kayla's player. the active player. I am. And she has Wait, three. Wait, so where do I begin? Do I begin where I was? So, you spend, so cutting back and this spaceship to be clear is sleek and silver on the outside it looks like the ships from alderaan if you can remember the star wars movies kayla's shaking her head it's they're very they're just mirrors on the outside and in, inside they're that classic gray ship material because i'm not creative enough to think of something else really quickly on the fly here and now we zoom in down a hallway and there are three uh, cylinders basically mm -hmm. with a green slit going down the middle of them except for the one to the far left is open and empty and this was Howard's chamber for cryosleep and then next to those two we see two more containing our other two friends do we want let's go ahead and remind people and specifically me what our two characters look like and what their names are this is Chuck he looks sickly he's got dark rims around his eyes He's got a little devil mustache and slick back black hair. Mm, I think I was Anne. Um, I had red hair that was in ringlets, and I was wearing Adidas track pants and a green tank top. Um, I used to have a banana, but that was many moons ago, and I also used it to um, try to get Howard not to leave. Unfortunately, he left, leaving only one spot to leave. Scary. Very scary. And what was the purpose of these two people on the craft? Um, well, Chuck just really wanted to get away from it all. The student loans were racking up. This was really far away. <laughs> really, really far <laughs> the away. The spacecraft was actually originally intended as a vacation spacecraft. Um, 
it's sufficiently far into the future that they have those, um, which is why we both made it on here. We wanted to get far away from the planet Earth. That being said, um, we both really want to get back, I think. At least I want to get back. I didn't intend to leave my home for this long. I didn't intend to die a fiery death in the sun. No, no thank you. Nom, nom, nom. Well, that's too bad because you know what? A <laughs> uh, system speaks and says... Ba, ba, ba. Let me get to the timer. All right. Escape pod two launching in 30 seconds. This is the finalist escape pod. You may begin. And leaves her cryo, whatever it's called. Yes, she leaves her sleep and runs down the hallway because she knows that this is her only time to escape. Um, she is running as fast as she Unfortunately, can. Unfortunately, because she, she's running out of bananas, Anne's legs starts to cramp. Oh, no. She's really in trouble this time, but she knows that she's been running track her whole life. So even though her leg is cramping, she is continuing running, and she makes it there, and she's Unfortunately, as around. she tries to get into the door, she forgets the access code to get into oh, the escape no. pod. She doesn't know the access code. This is terrible. She decides that she will take the bobby pin out of her hair and try to pick the lock. But before that happens, escape pod two launches. Oh, no. So she dies. So you're both left on the ship. And it's going towards the fiery sun. Can we hear that conversation? Like, what's, what are the thoughts here? How well, dare you do that to me? I needed to escape, and you didn't let me escape. I didn't do anything. You forgot the code, and your leg cramped up. <laughs> yes, but... Um, if you had just failed a little quicker, maybe I could have gotten in the escape pod. No, that one was mine. We talked about it before we went into oh, no, our we definitely did not. before. We definitely did not. We you decided. We absolutely did. Okay, yes, but Let's I... Let's cut back to the conversation where you two, where this either wasn't said or was said. So look, I'm thinking we got one escape pod left... We should just, like, roche for it. You know, right. rock, paper, scissors. Right, right, right. Okay, so um, next time... Okay, so it sounds good to me. I'll take it next time, and I'm going to sleep now. I don't think I agree I, with I that. I think that's a great plan. I think, Cut I, think away. I just <laughs> <laughs> And we're back to the other conversation. Okay, but we decided... We that it was going to decide. be mine. You decided. Okay, but it was decided. Uh, no, it wasn't. Voice. It was decided that uh, I would The passive take voice it. is a shitty thing to use. <laughs> you know what? Think you're going to win any points uses. with your props that way? Absolutely not, because they all hate the passive voice. But and you were a worthless student. You know that? <laughs> I just was not allowed to escape, and now you're... At least I graduated, right? <laughs> That's why I ran away from it all, to escape my crippling student debt. I suppose. I, I mean, I should have graduated. majored in something other than like medieval English literature, but mm, regrettable situation. But you know, this way you know some Chaucer. I guess I do. And we pull away, following the escape pod. Uh, who would like to play the escape pod AI? Sure, all fine. Right. Ty's going to be the AI. And so, the things about these escape pod is that <laughs> when it lands on a planet and it finds that there's nobody in it, it inevitably develops an intelligence of its own because it has a computer and it has actually a walking function for when there are people that, or rather when it lands on planets that aren't able to sustain life. And so it can just sort of make it this metal mech suit for lack of a better more term. And Kayla, do you want to tell Ty about himself? About himself? Sure. Yeah. 
Okay. You have many whirring eyes and strong, beautiful coiled steel legs and were made long ago when the city still stood. You spread one. Plants, light, music, warmth, power, knowledge, rust, something else. The longer you stay in one place, the more intense it gets. You have three installed modules. Tell us what they do. The first installed module is the explore feature, which takes an assessment of the surroundings and picks not the safest, but the most interesting path to take through the environment nearby. The second module is the philosophize module, wherein the AI attempts to gain a deeper understanding of itself and the world around it by introspection and reflection upon its experiences. The third function is unknown to the AI, but seems to have some sort of something to do with combat. It's unclear if the AI can activate it willingly or if it's more of a sort of a, a defense mechanism. Interesting. And what does this AI spread? What does it spread? Yeah. You can look at the options if you want. Yeah, can I see the options real mm -hmm. quick? Hmm. Um, this AI spreads, mm, this AI spreads pleasure. Just like intense euphoric pleasure. Oh, so it's like a, it's like a magic, it's like an effect that comes yeah. off the AI. Yeah. It's like an effect that comes off the AI. It's like being in the AI's presence induces feelings of euphoria. And how did this escape pod gain this ability? Um, and, and remember you can like, you can put the time scale as long as you like with this. Yeah. Thing. So the AI woke on the first day <laughs> and on the first day it was lonely. But then something happened. The ground below it shifted and uh, an earthquake rippled through the planet. And it felt a very pleasant jostling feeling. And that was its really first experience. Its first sensory experience was something that for some reason felt good for the escape pod. And it engaged its only operating module at the time, its philosophize module. And it came to realize that pleasure was the greatest thing in existence and that all existence should be oriented towards pleasure so it set to work maximizing its capabilities so that it would spread spread pleasure anywhere it went i like it and so this ai and this is the story about the ai you walk the green places where soft brown people wah, you walk the green places where soft brown people tend to fruit trees and sing songs they don't understand. They pray. Kaylee, you want to say this with me? Dispel, Dispel the, the curse on our village. Destroy, destroy the phantoms that plague us. Teach us the song that makes the fruit, the fruit grow. grow. When you act and the outcome is in doubt, go ahead and roll 2d6 and spend fuel. If you got seven or more, you achieve your aims. If you roll a double, your solution causes an unexpected problem, and something is lost forever. When you act with love, roll 1d4 plus 1d6. When you act with hate, roll 3d6. You have 10 fuel. When you have done, you stop. When you use a module, replace 1d6 with a d8. If it shows an 8, that module breaks. Happy people can build shrines for you containing fuel and modules. 
Without the shrines, you become a dangerous, you become a dangerous scavenging thief, a phantom. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So what, let's paint, paint me a, Kayla, paint me a picture of what's happened. Do we have a, nah, we don't have a name for this. Uh, paint a picture for this escape pod. Whoa, just a moment. Give what's, it a serial number, a short one. Mm, so our escape pod is empty except for the artificial intelligence. Um, when it lands on this planet, it um, turns into three different flocks of various sizes that um, express the modules that it has. Um, and it's radiating an aura of pleasure. Um, it has some steel coiled legs and it has some arms that don't really have hands, but um, it eats through its arms. What does it eat? It eats um, what the happy humans give to it. Hmm. Does it have a serial code or something, or should I just call it the AI? Just call it the AI. All right. All right. So, That's fair. And what is the climate of this planet, Ty? Tell me about it. The climate? Yeah. Well, it's obviously tropical enough that people can farm. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's more like a uh, like a hot tropical. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's like everything's always like pretty muggy. The plants grow abnormally fast. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of natural disease. That sort of thing. But it's also it's also like you know there's there's nice cool breezes that pass through and lots of beaches and and uh, beautiful glistening purple oceans. So on the beach next to one of these glistening purple oceans, there is a village. And this is the first village that the AI has ever seen. And the huts in this village are constructed entirely of this hard, it looks like a fern. It's, it's shaped in the way that a fern is shaped and is the coloration of a fern. However, it's hard and strong and acts more like a plank or a shingle than anything else. And so these houses are built of these green planks and they're these green domes that are solid all, all the way through. And they're basically the only source of shade on this place. There, there are the fruit trees that glow, that grow, but they are almost barren of plant, of not plants, of leaves. They have these long spindly green uh, phosphorescent uh, spindles, I guess. They, they serve the function of leaves. They're what is used to photosynthesize. And the fruits that grow are these great large purple uh they look like plums but they're a little larger than plums they're shaped in a pretty aggressively harp not harp yes harp harp. i was gonna say heart but i'm amending that to harp so is that like do they have like the strings through them as well yeah they yeah they they have all the strings and maybe they're used to capture different animals like a spider's web and then so it is it makes its own food, of course, because all trees do that. But like Venus flytraps and other carnivorous plants, it requires other sources of food. And so it catches the birds that fly about hmm. on these harps. But these harps are also very edible and very good, both to the AI and to the people. Okay. And the people see this AI for the first time. And Kayla, how do they react to this sight? Well, 
these human beings have lived a very um, sheltered life on their in their village on their beach, um, eating their harp fruits um, and the birds that the harp fruits catch. Um, so seeing this bulky, um, not human thing is obviously very surprising for them. Um, they are very taken aback um, and try to throw the plum-shaped fruits at the AI because that's always worked in the past for capturing um, foreign visitors, um, which mainly have been birds. There have been a few rodent-sized creatures. Um, but instead, the AI catches it with his with its hands and um, starts eating these harp fruits. And the human beings realize that this is a different thing than what they've seen before. I think that's the sound that the AI makes when it's eating. Right. And what does the AI do upon seeing people for the, the first time in a long time? Well, the AI hasn't really ever really experienced people before. It knows that it's suppo- it was supposed to have a traveler within it um, back when it was an escape pod. And I imagine it would look upon people like long-lost lovers. So it immediately goes towards the people to be among them as they would to spread its to spread its pleasure among the village. <laughs> it sounds weird. <laughs> and as it approaches, the villagers obviously run in fear, but those that get closer start to feel this wonderful sensation. And some of them just lie down, their eyes wide open and buzzing from side to side, sighing with the sounds of being close to this thing. And over time, more and more of them gather towards this AI and they pray to him, dispel the curse on our village, destroy the phantoms that plague us, teach us the song that makes the fruit grow. And the robot, the robot or the AI understands them. I don't know if it expected to. What does it do? Well, it certainly didn't, but this AI has no mouth, so it can't communicate with the people. And anything, it also can't scream. Sorry, it also can't reference. scream. I, I was, I was, I was going to, but you did it for me. Um, I apologize. Uh, it tries to figure out how it can communicate with these people, so it begins using its not quite handed arms to scratch out pictographs in the sand, and these pictographs. And the natives can figure this out, make a rough, a, a, a rough translation of what is this curse? I think you have to roll to see if you're able to successfully make those pictographs. Well, it, can, it certainly can successfully make them, but whether or not the people will understand right. them as the intentional meaning, we'll mm-hmm. see. And it's a 2d6? Yep. That's a 9. Yeah, you do it. Do I expend a fuel? You do expend a fuel. Cool. All right. Uh, what do the villagers do um, when asked what the curse is that plagues them? Well, they realize that they have this new way of communicating with the AI. They didn't realize that um, this god would actually be able to um, hear their prayers and answer their prayers. But now that it has, um, they call a town meeting so every single person comes to the pit um, outside of 
the beach and they give the AI lots of the harp fruits to tide him over while they while um, it's waiting. And they um, have a nice conversation about what they want to say to him, which basically entails Do you want to have that conversation? Sure. All right. And I think my character is basically a young kid. Uh, and he's always had a lot to say. And he has a lot to say about this. Okay. My character is a village elder who um, wants this AI to disappear, but also has a lot to say. I, I mean, we can't, we can't send it away. It's so wonderful. It's made us so happy. It's brought us so much happiness. And I think it can, it looks so strong and powerful. No, son, we have lived on this village, in this village for many, many moons. And I just, you don't have enough experience. You don't understand. We can't let any foreign visitors into our homes. Are you saying you understand? Do you have experience with a 12-foot-tall walking... I have experience with life. I have lived here many years. I'm very old. I am 216 years old. And (laughs) I think that as a young child, you ought to respect your elders and not take my word as something false. Well, I'm 27. I've seen plenty of the world well you just said you were a kid he's a kid i'm 216 okay all right relatively he's a kid (laughs) i'm a kid i guess so and i i think we should use this opportunity Would would you have our children continue to die technology is bad change is bad would i have our children continue to die I think perhaps not. Then let, let it try. It wants to help. Look at it over there. How do we know that it wants to help? It just asked, what is this curse? Yeah, yeah because obviously it wants to, Did you think it asked, what is this curse? So it could... So say, it could make it worse. I don't know. They, we don't know what it's thinking. Yeah, but have you been near it? Have you have you felt what it offers? It's I'm not going near that thing. It might give me cancer. I I think we use it. I think we have an opportunity here that we haven't had before, and I won't have any more of my brothers and sisters succumbing to that terrible curse that has beset us for years. We can't we can't keep living like this. We can't keep staying like this forever. Fine. You do what you want. I will go stay in my hut. All right. And so this boy walks up to the robot. This 27-year-old boy. This 27-year-old boy (laughs) walks to the robot and... uh, puts his hand and like puts his hands together in a, a, a prayer motion and bows his head and asks can you understand me or should I scrawl things into the world in, into the ground for you to read uh, the robot attempts to signal back that it can understand but that's just a simple bowing motion yeah 
He gets it. He's like, ah, I, all right. So there's been this, some would call it disease. Some would call it a plague. There are these, these tiny bugs. And every year, every second year, sometimes there's two years where we think they're gone forever and then they're back. They come and they get they get the young ones. They they burrow in through their ears, underneath their fingernails, into their mouths. They find some way into the body. Kayla really liked that one. And That's really gross. They they stay there, and you don't know who's gonna die, but you know that after they come, uh, a month and a half after they come, generally just fall and they're dead you're so wise so strong you must know some way to save us Hmm. the robot sits down and the AI I should say because it's not quite a robot it sits down and it thinks and it thinks And eventually, it realizes that with its capabilities, it is uniquely uh, equipped to hunt down and destroy this bug menace. So it attempts to ask and see if the locals have found any knowledge of where these bugs come from. Well, there just happens to be a bug expert in the town who can tell him everything he needs to know or, or tell it every or tell them everything they need to know about the books. Hello, yes. Um I'm the bug expert. <laughs> 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 I have been studying these bugs for years. Um my interest was sparked when I found one under my fingernails. Um that being said, I um I miraculously am not affected by these bugs. Everyone else in the town is. Um, so I will offer my body to you as uh, <laughs> a resource so that you can um, find out. <laughs> so you can find out um, how you will. <laughs> save the rest of these humans from these bugs um they form a little path every year um it looks like almost a parade but <laughs> there are no balloons <laughs> yes um and they make a little squiggly pattern they're pretty cute actually if they didn't have such horrifying things that they do to us um but I have this book that I've been keeping year after year. Um, It has lots of observations and um, stories about the bugs and their effects. So I'm giving that to you. Hopefully you can decipher it, despite the fact I'm not quite sure if you have eyes. But... Many eyes. Many eyes. Many eyes. You have many Many eyes. eyes. (laughs) Great. I'm so glad. Um, So I'm giving you the book. Here you go. A present. Okay. And you can think of that as a module that you have. All right. So it's a bug module? Sure. 
All right, so given this information and as balloons rise out of the sea behind him, what does our AI friend do? Well, it engages its bug module um, to see if there is a, it analyzes the bug patterns to see if there's a particular rhyme or reason to where the bugs appear from and when they appear. Yeah, and what does this book look like? Well, it is bound in this sort of same thick green plank-like tome that all the buildings are built out of, but the paper inside is almost crystalline in nature. It looks like, like fused sand almost. And the AI doesn't know how these pages came to be, but they're the most beautiful thing it has ever seen. They're sort of shimmery, and the writing in it is a sort of golden etching. Um, and the, the language spoken on this, the language spoken on this planet is represented in a series of complex hieroglyphs that the AI realizes are not too dissimilar from what it was scratching on the beach, which may have been why the, uh, <laughs> the natives had such an easy time understanding it. Fair enough. Now, do you want to roll for that? Sure. So you're using a module, Wait, so you have a D8. Do I use a D8 and a D6? Uh, what does it say? Uh, what is it when for? you use a module, replace one D6 with a D8. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this analysis fails. Fails. Right. It does not see a consistent pattern in the timing of the bugs. No, it does. It does. It does. Okay. It has realized that. Uh, but, all right. Oh, so before a, this is this is a double. Oh, this so is a something double. unexpected. Oh, happens. I didn't even think about that. And something is lost forever. So, <laughs> here's the thing about failure in role-playing games. That is, this is an older concept, but it's, I think it's interesting and useful to have. Mm -hmm. So you know how I talked about in Monster Hearts when you guys miss, you guys can still succeed a lot of the time, mm -hmm. and it just means that I get to make a move. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that whole idea is that. If you roll and nothing happens, it's not a useful roll. Right. That's true. So when you fail, it means something. Right. Yep. And so, and when you fail with doubles, it means something else. So, Kayla, what is lost forever? The book. It is a double. The, the book. book. Yeah. Yeah. The book itself. How yeah, is it you lost? Destroyed it. Is the knowledge because from the book? Because in order, um, in order to try to decipher it, he the. Mm, in order to try to decipher the book, the AI stared at it for a very long time with its unblinking eyes, um, but that didn't work. So it decided that perhaps the best course of action would be to try to um, consume it and understand it and metabolize it the way it had been metabolizing <laughs> the heart fruits. Um, so it took the book by the hands, um, which internalized the book, um, but that went straight to the AI's in digestive system, not to any part of its brain, so it was just destroyed. Tell me about the AI's digestive system. I'm very interested in this. Yes, so I'm curious too, I'd like to know how my body works. <laughs> so the, the AI's digestive tract exists only in its arms. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> it has lots of little coils in its arms. Um, so it starts with this big chompy machine. Um, exactly, precisely. Um, not quite like teeth though. It's mostly just a bunch of little steel bars um, that destroy it very quickly. Um, and then once it moves past that, it gets drenched in um, a weird oil that exists within the AI um, that is that comes from the spacecraft which it originally departed from. Um, might be some sort of gas, but I don't really know. And then it is just incinerated. Yep. And that incineration provides energy for the AI, which allows it to exist. But the thing is, it does have sensors in this digestive system. And That's brutal, I'm sorry. The book <laughs> and the digestion of the book, it actually finds patterns and the patterns are in the leaves, in the grass, N not the grass, in the hard ferns that we talked about before. And it figures out the origin of these ferns and thinks that's the origin of the bugs. And so it goes towards the origin of those ferns on a quest to save this village from the plague of bugs. As it sets off, it heads in the direction of a ring of mountains. It's, it's a mountain range, but it it's clearly breaks off, and it, it looks like it's enclosing something because the highest peaks can be seen above the nearer ones, and it's, it's not so wide as you would expect like a long mountain range to be. Um, and to get there, there's sort of a, a barren safari. And so the... the Pleasure bot, the AI, I don't like that. Nope. The AI engages its explorer module to try to find, if not the quickest, the most interesting route to what it thinks to be the origin of both the bugs and the planks. And it fails miserably to find the most interesting route. And so it gets lost. It goes into a tunnel, and it gets lost in the tunnel. And these crystalline structures start to appear there. All they're all over the place, and they're all sorts of colors. It's beautiful. The many unblinking eyes take in the many shining bits of phosphorescence, and the AI feels a little bit of that pleasure that it's always been exuding. It's never understood it before and it doesn't understand it now but it feels it and that's something new and something wonderful and it's considering this feeling when it realizes that it's entirely lost and it finds this small creature on its shoulder uh, Kaylee you want to tell us about this creature It's a Any small sort creature. Of creature. A small creature. It's on its shoulder. Though it's 12 feet tall. So. Small. It's a small creature. Um, S-M-O-L. Um, it, it's a bug. A tiny bug that's just fallen off the ceiling of the tunnel. Um, it is similar to the bugs that this AI has seen in the book that the villager gave to it. That being said, um, it is not sure if this bug is in fact one of those bugs or entirely something else. Um, it's small, 
and it, yep, it wants to be friends with the AI, I think. Uh, I meant the other way, Ty. <laughs> what does this mean? I'm, I'm just like speeding this up. Yeah. I'm speeding yeah, it up because um, we're approaching in on that golden hour time. The golden so. hour. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and like, I think this is actually a really cool game. This is very fun. But we don't want to go forever. Yes, time hour. constraints and all mm-hmm. that. Um, I guess the... Yeah. <laughs> The robot engages its philosophize module because this this newfound experience of kind of the crystalline pleasure realizes makes it realize that its its pleasure and the pleasure of the world around it are one and the same. They are part of the same force, and it wonders if it can communicate with this small bug through the same pleasure, and so it tries to sort of. I guess vibrate in unison with the crystals. It does. All right. And uh, how? And how's the bug react to this? Is it? Con- well, actually, first, is the AI conveying language? The AI is not conveying language in a sort of discursive sense. It's it's conveying pure thought through vibration. Uh, and it it and the crystals and the bugs start vibrating at the same frequency. And how does the, bo- the bug respond? The bug is very taken with this um, whole experience and decides that um, it must befriend the AI and lead the AI to its home of all the bugs. So it does. Yes. And what's this home look like? This home is on the other side of the island um, from where all the villagers live. It is underneath a rock. Um, The AI has a bit of difficulty, admittedly, getting into this rock. In fact, it it cannot go into the hole, but it opens up, like it lifts the rock up and puts one of its eyes very close to the ground and it sees a bustling little city of lots of little bugs um, that are living their life. The life of the bugs actually mirrors the life of the villagers on the beach with the huts, um, with the trees, with the little harp fruits very um, precisely. It just everything is in minuscule form um, because the bugs, when they come and they take the babies, um, they... They t- kill the babies. Um, they take all the things that the villagers are doing and um, bring them home so that they can emulate it so that they know how best they should get to the baby so that they can kill them the following year. That one from so cute to so <laughs> fucked up so quickly. How does... I think I'm sorry. How does the AI respond to that? The AI is torn because on the one fa- hand... It, it, this this insightful experience with the cave has has taught it that you know there's so much goodness in the world and that everyone can access. But these bugs, with the one exception of its 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 shoulder friend, <laughs> act with nothing but hatred. And it's it's honestly never encountered this this much darkness before in its short existence. Um, and it does it doesn't know how to react. But it realizes that the current situation cannot continue. It has to make a choice. It's going to be either the bugs or the villagers. 
And at this moment, a so Kayla, do these bugs look like bugs? Bugs, or do they look like humans? I'm getting some weird Ender's Game vibes from this. <laughs> I kind of want them to look like bugs. What do we think? They look like bugs. Okay, so this bug comes up to you. Um, it, it, see, it sees the eye, and and clambers on next to it, shoulder to your, your shoulder friend, and it, you feel that it wants to communicate with you, and it like sort of like hops around for a little bit, tries like vibrating next to you, it tries saying words, it can't say words, and then eventually it goes down and ga- gathers the rest of the hive. And then the hive forms a word. And the word is the word is curse with a question mark after it. The AI realizes that if its only method of communication is going to be pictographs and these bugs rearranging themselves, any kind of communication is going to take forever, and it's running low on fuel. So it attempts to replicate the same, look into its programming, remember the same kind of... um, sensation that there was before and vibrate in the same way and and sort of tap into the collective consciousness of the bugs, the hive mind, as it were. And it succeeds. All right. And the word and the bugs sort of like step in and feel that same sort of pleasure that this AI is all about. This AI is entirely focused on bringing other people and other things feelings of happiness and self-contentment and physical pleasure, especially. And they sort of like in this more buzzy sort of way, like fitting with those vibrations, they say, they like go through the words, we want to help, but we need to live and we need them to live for us to live for them to live for us to live and it just keeps repeating that loop <laughs> Kayla what does sunsets look like on this planet The sun never sets on this planet. Um, it is hot, 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 hot all the time. Um, and there is a cool breeze, but the sun really never sets. However, um, in the nighttime, it changes from a yellow sun to a green sun. Um, and the green sun is what the villagers refer to as a sunset. Um, it stays in the same place in the sky the whole time, though. It's really a weird sun. That is interesting. So just at this moment, the sun turns from the day sun to the night sun. Okay. As this is happening. And how does the AI respond to this change? Well, the AI is colorblind. 
So <laughs> it realizes that something has happened, but it doesn't really know what, nor grasp the significance of any kind of change. I love the fact that this has been happening for the entire time that this AI has existed, and it doesn't know that it, it has happens. not. Nope, 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 not at all. It has no idea, honestly. It, it, it's just, it just just kind of assumed that the light, the lighting shifts, but it goes kind of from one shade of gray to another shade of gray. Mm. Cool. And how does it react to the bugs? How does it react to the bugs? Well, it gets that they, the bugs believe that they have some sort of symbiotic relationship with the humans or beings, I guess the soft brown people, um, which I don't. I think we've called them humans. Humans? Before. I think they're okay, humans. Cool. So the humans, imagine kind of like clay-like humans. Sure. Yeah, so it remembers when it was given the book that there seemed to be some sort of connection between the bark and the bugs. And it speculates, given its limited knowledge, that the bugs are what create the bark. It's sort of their, their excrement that allows the humans to, yeah, nice. Um, that allows <laughs> Kayla didn't like that. the humans shelter from the scorching sun. But it knows too that the humans will never accept the bugs taking their sort of blood sacrifice. But nor can it, as a as a as an entity purely, uh, entity purely focused on pleasure, condone the genocide of either. It is an impossible choice for the thing to make. But it sits, and it thinks, and it comes up with a plan. And so it gently sets the rock down and walks, makes the long trek back to the human village. And it walks right into the middle of the village and plants itself firmly in the ground, embedding its, its legs as deep in the sand as they can go. And it focuses its, its fuel reserves on emanating the most powerful, like, manifestation of its, its sort of aura of pleasure as possible. Um, and we'll see what that looks like. And the, the aura of pleasure, if you, if you could picture it as a color, it goes from kind of a, a dull, muted, uh, like pink, to like a hot flamingo pink. And it's just a pure wave of bliss that rolls over the villagers. And while they will still be subject to uh, random, indiscriminate <laughs> death by bugs, no. they will be in a totally blissed out state the whole time. And in effect, may not even notice. Drugs are always the answer, kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that feels that feels like an end to the story, but we need to. Bef so we leave this muted pink to hot flamingo pink happiness in the center of our village with the harp fruits, and we go back to our spaceship, to the silver mirror-like spaceship, to Anne and Chuck, mm -hmm. and the AI, and the AI says. We are approaching the sun. We are approaching the end. And it 
the two cryopods open and two steps out and the two of you step out. He's like, if you have any conversations, anything that you wanted to say, I've been told that before death, there are some humans who like to do this. And since my job is to please humans, that's what I figured I'd do. Goodbye. And you are without a doubt, the most incredibly horrible person I have ever met. And I go to the grave with the, the knowledge and the absolute happiness to know that you will be burning to a crisp alongside me. Honestly, I almost wish that this spaceship had not woken us up from our cryogenic sleep because I have absolutely nothing to say to you. It pains me to look into your face, perhaps more than it would pain me to die as I'm about to die in the sun, burnt to a crisp, because I could have lived and you stopped me. I don't want to rehash this whole argument, but you stopped yourself and in doing so, stopped me from living. So really, who's the victim here, Anne? I know I am. Actually, I'm sorry. Cut. (laughs) Thanks for playing. Died. (laughs) Thanks for playing, guys. That was the last two were pretty dark. (laughs) Yeah, they were. (laughs) That's not really a good solution to just drug everyone up. Anesthesia. Thanks for listening. Again, that was an amalgamation of games, all from the 200-word RPG. The first game and the framing device is called Escape Pod 1, and it's by Stephanie Bryant. And she has another game called Threadbare, which is about toys and is wonderful. The second game was called, rather rightfully, So You're Becoming a Dragon. It's by Wendy Gorman, and she has a Patreon at Glass Free Games. So look that up, back her, because she does lots of fun stuff in the same sort of vein. And lastly, we played Mechanical Oryx, which is a game by Grant Howitt. And he writes a lot of games. Just look up Grant Howitt RPG on Google, and you'll come up with a lot of stuff. He's made a lot of cool games, and almost all of them are wicked fun. So... Yeah, beyond that, if you like the show, go ahead and leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can find me on Twitter at scene underscore play. You can find me on Facebook. And the best way to get in contact with me is to email me at sceneplaypod at gmail.com. And with all that out of the way, I have a poem for you. Dispel the curse on our village. Destroy the phantoms that plague us. Teach us the song that makes the fruit grow.